Hello, and welcome to the HRD Live podcast. I'll be your host, Elizabeth Roscoe, Senior Editor here at HRD Connect. On today's episode, we'll be hearing from Dave Milner on how HR can become more data-driven. Dave is an occupational psychologist with nearly 30 years HR and consulting experience, working across the world with global clients on their assessment performance, employee engagement, and organizational development-based challenges. Dave has a real passion regarding the transformation of HR functions and the need for a more commercially focused response to client demands and the role that analytics and new ways of thinking can help change the perceptions of HR. Please enjoy the conversation. Let's go ahead and get started. So first question I have for you, Dave, um, is talk to me about why being data-driven is becoming more and more important to HR. Sure. I think first to me, every organization globally is a data business in some shape or form. You know, whether you're a very small business, whether you're a very large business, every organization is now looking and using data. And so therefore, my view is that HR needs to join that party because the use of data drives accountability, both for HR leaders and managers, And I think importantly, from an HR perspective, it allows HR to measure and then focus on how it can increase its business impact, which I think is the real key to HR over the next three or four years. I think it helps us to identify the hidden causes of problems. And I think it also helps to prioritize and provide and give a focus for HR because we we spend too much too much of our time focusing on operational puzzles when we really should be looking at business priorities. Um, And I think finally that that data-driven focus really gives us um, that lens to really look at performance and value and not just focus on cost, which, you know, I think costs are very fixed. We can only do so much, but I think performance and value is almost unlimited. And so I think we've really got to change our mindset in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned HR needing to be more sort of business focused, commercial. Um, yeah. Tell me more. What what does that mean? I, I think the the commercial dilemma has been around for a number of years now. I, I, I think it's really important because if you've got a financial mindset, financial or business acumen, it means you're probably able to ask better questions because it shows that you understand the business and you're trying to to support the business in what it's trying to do. So uh, from my perspective, I think commerciality has four four elements to it. Um, Financial insight. Now, that does not mean that I want HR people to become finance people. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but it means we've got to understand cash management, how the organization makes money, what's the financial position like for the business that you're dealing with for the next three, six, nine, 12 months, and focus on risks. And I think if you do that, then that that enables you to understand where are the roles that drive those finances? Which ones of those roles that you're looking after have that direct impact? You know, because there are roles which are business critical, roles which are important and roles which are support and they all have a part to play. But we've got to make sure because our resources are limited, we've got to make sure that we're really focusing on the right thing. 
Secondly, I think we need to have an external view. We need to know what's going on in the sector. We need to know what our competitors doing. What are their recruitment practices? What are they doing to engage their employees? So we've got to understand that. I think thirdly, we need to know the organization's strategy and have a real insight about what the agenda is, how the business operates, how it works, um, what's the infrastructure, what, what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses. And I think finally, we need to have what I call a bit of organizational savviness, which means we know how we get things done in an organization. Um, in other words, we can deal with the political mind mind that, that exists in every organization and it enables us to find people who can support us, who can champion for us and enable us to try and get things done. So that that's what I think commerciality really means for me. Um, and I think underpinning that means that we've got to really start to focus on some real key things which, you know, are looking at the cost agenda, which, you know, is we've been doing for a while, but also trying to find out where our data is and, and how we can then, if you like, demonstrate to the to the business that, you know, we we know what we're doing and we know and can bring a different view about things. Yeah, that's perfect. So that was actually going to be my next question is, is how can HR really demonstrate um, this commerciality? And I guess is data is data the answer for that? Yeah, the data is the answer, but it's also that we need to think differently. I, I hear so many people who say, oh, yeah, we, we'd love to do this, but we, you know, we don't have an HR information system or we're too small or we don't. Our data is not very good. And I always go back and say, well, actually, every organization has two pieces of data which you can immediately use in HR. Cost, you must know what the salary is. You You must know what the cost of you know, phones and training and car allowance and benefits and all of that sort of stuff. And the other thing that you've got is time. So I, I use the time is money equation, you know, and uh, a very quick example. I was speaking to an old colleague of mine, um, must have been about 12 months ago. He's a sales director, really pleased that he's in a new job, has got a fantastic new sales course for a day. And he was so chuffed it would only cost him, I think it was $30,000. He's based in America. And I said, well, that's great. Well done. I said, but it's going to cost you a lot more than that, surely. He said, no, no, they're only charging me 30000 So what I then said is, well, uh, that that's great. But actually, how much does your your salesperson cost in terms of salary, benefits, office space, car allowance, technology? And by the time we worked it through, it came to about, I think, five, just over five hundred dollars a day. And he said, well, why do I need to know that? And I said, well, just hang on a minute. If they're away for a day, that means they're not selling for a day. And he said, yeah, but that's fine. And I said, yeah, but what's your sales target? And it was twenty five million dollars across 15 people. And I said, well, that means, therefore, that, you know, you've got six thousand eight hundred dollars worth of sales not happening on an average on that day. So I then worked it out and said, well, by the time you've done your training, you're actually your sales course is costing you nearly one hundred and forty thousand dollars. And you just like, wow, I've never thought of it like that. And, and I think what I'm trying to get across is it, it's trying to enable HR not to to show, oh, look, it's going to cost you more. But if you're going to get any, a return on your investment, let's make sure that we're we're truly considering the wider business context, i.e. in terms of salary, our opportunity costs, 
etc. So that's just a very quick example about how we can then start to, to bring numbers and data into our conversations um, in a more natural way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good example. Um, so my next question would be sort of looking at the technological side of things. Um, what are what are some of the ways that we can use technology um, to sort of further this data driven approach? I, well, te technology, I think, is is a really important element of the data and analytics journey that organizations are on. Um, in an ideal world, it'd be amazing to have an HR information system, you know, where you, you're housing information about employees, their data, and then you're integrating into it some data about, I don't know, how you recruited them, what their performance dialogue feedback was, um, maybe some learning and training assessments and information that goes in. And that therefore starts to build what I call a one source of truth. That's what it's called in the industry, one source of truth. Um, and that's great. And, and there are coming into the market smaller systems and smaller um, offerings which will enable smaller organisations to do that. I, I think the key is that whatever technology you're using and if you're a smaller organization and you're still relying on excel spreadsheets to keep all of your data together um good luck it's great it means you can still you know uh, collect that information but I, I think one of the things you've got to start to think about is that having data in a common place allows hr leaders, managers and employees to access that data. And so I think it's really important because technology is here to to enable us to drive efficiency and effectiveness. And, and I go back to my a point I made earlier is it also gives HR no excuse to keep focusing on these operational and administrative puzzles that we end up dealing with particularly well, don't get me wrong, when we've really got to be focusing on what the business issues are. So I think we've really we've really got to be um, focusing around how we can keep a check on what the workforce is doing in terms of metrics and trends, what manager information do managers and leaders want. Now, whether that comes from a system or whether it comes from a spreadsheet or a dashboard that you therefore create. Um, what we've got to do is start to make sure that we're able to able to provide information that allows knowledge about improvements, tracking key problems and coming back to my word again of driving accountability. You know, if a manager suddenly sees that, you know, he's losing a lot of people in his team and it's quite high in relationship to another manager's team in the same business area. Um, it's funny how suddenly reputations and, you know, peer pressure starts to make people think maybe I'm doing something wrong about retention and growing them and whatever. So I, there is so much technology out there from systems, specific pieces of, of kit that you can use. I think the key is what's the business case for it? What's the business problem you are trying to resolve and how will technology enable you to do that? So so that's a bit of a, a condensed answer to what is a, a huge um, opportunity, I think, for, for the HR community, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a good it's a good response. Um, so what role then do do KPIs and, and HR metrics play in, in all of this? 
I, I think they they tend to, to come out in the form of, of a dashboard in a technology system um, um, or, you know, a dashboard you may create via Excel. Um, whatever, they both create a measurement culture in HR. And I think that that's the, the key for me. You know, KPIs and metrics are part of the data and part of the analytical journey. They provide a foundation. You know, KPIs are about strategic measures that have a direct link to the organization's strategy. So that doesn't mean that everything, every KPI HR comes up with is something that, you know, needs to be shared. But it's around focusing on what are the priority areas that we within HR are operating on that are directly aligned to the business strategy for 2022 or for 2023, etc. So, so that for me is the key why KPIs are important. If we move yeah. to the metrics, yeah. uh, you know, metrics are much more, HR metrics are much more about measuring the effectiveness and efficiency of our HR processes, practices, policies. So, it's really important, but it does not therefore mean that we need to share all of them with the executive team. You know, it's about finding the, the two or three that are the most relevant to the executive at that particular moment in time, which might be around retention, because obviously there's a lot of noise about people leaving. Um, it could be about the quality of the people that you've brought in over the last six months. It could be around, you know, what's the profit per employee over the last two or three years? Um, what payback did we get from the pay increases that we gave in 2021? Have we seen an increase in revenue or sales or whatever as a result? Because it's pointless giving those sorts of remuneration back to the employees, to the workforce, if we're not getting the benefit of it the subsequent year. So. I think that the key thing is that metrics will measure the difference between numbers, but they will not tell you why. So metrics are a foundation, but and KPIs are the same, but they're not necessarily going to tell you, well, why have we not hit that number? Why is that happening? That's where we probably need to delve into it and start to think in a more analytical way, I guess. Yeah, that makes good sense. Um, so my last question, Dave, in terms of, of people analytics, um, talk to me a little bit about the feasibility of HR practitioners undertaking this, this complex analysis themselves. Right. <laughs> yes. Great. Good question. I think um, my, my, my answer would be do not think that you need to do the statistical analysis yourself okay that that's that is my my sort of bottom line um let me just add a, a bit of a flavor to it um there is a journey that i think organizations and hr practitioners go on in this world of data and analytics you know they start off with building metrics kpis looking at data in isolation, probably doing some very simple analytical activity on Excel spreadsheet. And that's great. And there's no reason why HR practitioners could not do that with mathematics, with advanced mathematics. You know, they would then move up probably to another level where they start to probably use technology that gives you dashboards um, and enables you to start to think about you know, the data, where do we get that from? Look at ROI, diagnose some things 
And again, there's no reason why HR practitioners could not do that, either from a technology system or again from a, um, a simple Excel or even a Power BI type of approach. However, when you then move to the next stage, which is then starting to look at more complex statistical analysis using techniques such as regression analysis, um, et cetera, et cetera, but that is really when you do not need and should not be requiring an HR practitioner to do that analysis. A, they were never trained to do it. It takes three to four years to become a statistical you know, expert at that sort of level on computer, computer modeling and things. Um, I, I don't think it's good use of their knowledge. And again, if you if you then see that that's the sort of the core statistical analysis, the next level, the final level is then when we're starting to look at predictive and prescriptive analytics, which is when you do need a people analytics expert or a, st a statistician or you use the, the, the you know, the buy buy in you build it yourself over time or you borrow it maybe from people in finance or marketing where there may be some other expertise so so my my sort of key thing is that really the hr practitioners particularly business partners need to be focusing on becoming what i call a data and analytics translator they need to use their talent expertise their knowledge and they need to be using and looking at data in more commercially, like a business leader, maybe working with KPIs, metrics and some basic analysis and then helping to deliver, if required, more complex projects, which where you may need to build or buy somebody in who can do that little bit of expertise for one or two days. And then the HR practitioner can then start to then scope out problems think about how what the client wants get the expert to do their 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 thing and then they then need to come in and then tell the story and then obviously help the client to implement the findings so i think there's a really vital role for hr in this because even where you've got corporate you know people analytics teams you know the challenge is to try and make the whole function more data driven you know, and so that's where the issue of data literacy has come in, in terms of making sure that HR is able to sort of read data, work with data, analyze the data to a point, but most importantly, communicate with data. So I, I think, you know, there is there are many things that you can do, but I, I do not think that using an HR practitioner's expertise and skills to become a statistician is one of the things that we should be thinking about. But we do need to very strongly make sure that they're able to be more business focused, they're able to consult with the business, that they've got the right infrastructure in place to access data, and more importantly, obviously able to drive the change that may come out from having done that little bit more of a complex statistical analysis piece. So that, that's where that's where I would see it, because that you know it, we do not want you know people to be trying to do things that are out of their comfort zone but we do most definitely need every hr practitioner to be more data driven in the way they think in the way they operate and in the way that they question and work with business um, uh, leaders in their organization that that's where i think they need to focus their their development in that respect 
I think there'll be a lot of sighs of relief from, from our HR <laughs> listeners that they don't have to become statisticians. So, yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, for, for where you've got organisations where you may only have one or two HR people, you know, that's a really tough dilemma how to deal with it. But, but I can assure you that, you know, you can find people um, and, and get them to do that, that, that statistical piece for you that will probably it will take them maybe half a day to do it. It would take somebody probably two or three days to learn it, to, to, to understand what it is and then apply it. And and we are we, resources are thin enough as it is. We've got to be focusing on the things that we're good at and working collaboratively with people wherever they may be externally or elsewhere in your organization to, to come up with those answers. It's not about us coming up with those answers and, and trying to find a way that Excel can somehow, you know, do some statistical genius work because, you know, Excel has limitations. It was never designed to do that stuff. But it most definitely can be very constructive in helping mathematical information to be, you know, understood in a little bit more detail. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you, Dave. I think this um, this offers a lot of very practical advice um, for our listeners. Is there anything else before we finish up that, that you want to add in? Um, um, yeah, just a, a couple of things. If, if people are interested um, in, in the book that I wrote and that I'm just in the throes of rewriting, um, a, 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 a Brit who lives in Canada very kindly shared with me templates and tools which he uses and shares. So if people wanted to take a note of this address, it's www.peopleinsight.com backslash DDHRBP. And if you go and follow that link, register, you will be able to download um, a playbook which will talk to how talk to you about how you can become more of a data driven HR practitioner. And, and I think that that um, uh, many thousands of people have downloaded it, found found it to be very useful. So, um, you know, please with uh, please try and download it and hopefully it can give you a, a little bit more of a, 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 a an edge and a bit more of a, a nudge in the right direction. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we'll put that link in the description as well. So, um, so people Perfect. can check that out. Great. Thank Perfect. you so much, Dave. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for asking.